You're listening to the Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message. Uh, We're doing a sermon series called Liminal, uh, Fighting to Flourish in the Messy Middle. New sermon series. We'll do it for a couple weeks. Really, I just wanted to throw out some tools, tips, and ideas about how to navigate the times. Uh, We have been surviving for a long time. And so what does it mean to take some steps forward, maybe, or or not take steps backwards as we are plagued again with more frustrating things? Uh, This picture reminds me to tell you about the time I got lost. I don't know if you've all been lost. I'm going to ask you about that coming up. The first time that I remember being lost was at the Silver Dollar Fair in Chico. I was probably eight years old, and I got lost from my mom at the fair. That's a sketchy place. Yeah, Yeah. it was. And the sun was going down, and it was getting dark, and it felt like an hour, an hour and a half. Obviously, pre-cell phone. uh, And so I, I was young. Lost my mom, lost my brother, didn't know where I was, and the lady running the funnel cake uh, trailer saw that I was lost, came out, and taught me what to do when you're lost. She said, let's sit here, let's contact authorities, and I'll let you eat as much funnel cake as you can until your mom comes back here. Wow, nice. Yeah. Just hammering funnel cakes at the Silver Dollar Fair in Chico uh, as I was lost. I say that because that's what we're talking about when we, when we talk about liminal. It's a word that we don't use very often, but it's a word that I think about. Liminal means threshold. It's the picture of, of you're, in the, you're in a door, a doorway. And your options are to move forward, to move backwards, or to stay. The word we probably know is subliminal. And that is when we get messages or ideas that are below the threshold of our consciousness. But this idea, when we just use it this way, it's just about, it's a state of being in between. I think I have some slides. It's about being in the middle, sometimes stuck, sometimes going backwards, uh, and sometimes pressing forwards. But it's an in-between state. It just feels like that is where we are often. I don't know what the future holds. Uh... There's parts of me that don't want to go backwards. There's parts of me that misses the stuff that was, and it feels like everything's going to be different. And so uh, I got to, but I don't know how it's going to be different. I don't know how to adjust my life. We're in a state of non-permanence, right? And so we're in a liminal state. How do we flourish there? How do we experience God's presence there? How do we navigate this messy middle? Uh, let's talk about some spiritual tools to navigate that. But before that, my question for you, since I talked about getting lost, did you ever get lost when you were a kid? Tell us about it. So I was trying to think of this last night, and I didn't get a chance to call my mom. Mom, if you're in the, if you're watching the stream, comment. Um, she's got a story of me getting lost that she was really, really, really nervous about. Um, but I don't remember it. I think it was before remembering age. The only one that I remember is in Woolworths. Um, down there uh, on Mitchell, yeah. like you know what I'm talking about. That's where I got all my Halloween costumes. I remember, yeah, heck yeah, I remember getting um, baseball cards there, 
and my grandma walked me over. Or I, but this time I was with my mom, I think, and I got. I love to use to hide out, and you know how they have like jackets yeah. and a circle of yeah. clothes or whatever on a rack. And on a rack? rack. I would hide out in there like it was a cave. It was so fun, <laughs> and I remember just like kind of just doing my thing while my family was shop, my mom was shopping. Yeah, and I was in there, and um, I when I by the time I came out, I could not see her, and I was freaking out pretty yeah. good. Yeah, and um. Uh, I just started running around and nobody even thought to stop me, which now, thinking back, like they should have been like, kid, do you need help? Yeah. But they did not <laughs> at all. And I found her. You didn't get funnel cakes, huh? No, I did not get free <laughs> funnel cakes. That's like so sweet. Unlimited. You should have just been like, get lost on purpose. <laughs> I don't remember ever being lost, but I do remember um, lots of messages throughout my childhood about being lost. Uh, so that probably caused me a, a tiny bit of paranoia. So I never really got yeah. too far from whomever the adult yeah. was that I was with. Uh, I never hid in between <laughs> the clothes because that was a big no-no because yeah. you might get left here. Yeah. Um, my mom worked for the Forest Service, so we did a lot of trips um, up, you know, Feather Falls, hikes into the Feather Falls, things like that. And I remember, you know, the folks that were in, in charge of it would always go through, like, the safety rules. And one of them was if you're lost, uh, you, you hug a tree and you stay there. Like, so yeah. I, that was always kind of what I was. Um, That's good. What I was told. And also my mom, for whatever reason, uh, she always had, like, 90 million keys on her keychain. Yeah. Oh yeah so even if like I got <laughs> very far from my mom, I always knew it was her by, like, like by her jingle. <laughs> Um, so I knew I was safe if I heard the jingle. But as a parent, I was going to ask. Yeah. I've lost my kids. Oh, and it's funny that you say Silver Dollar Fairgrounds because yeah. 100% that's where I lost my kid yeah. last year, oh, actually. Yeah. And the funny part about it was uh, so the kids, they all went. We were trying to be, you know, let them have a little bit of adventure. We were there all week long. Yeah. So I let all of my kids. Not all of them, I should say. Not the littlest ones, but yeah. the but the bigger ones. So the, the, the bigger three went out, rode rides, had a good time. Well, the two oldest come back with their friends, and my youngest is not with them. Of the oldest three? The Tanner's youngest gone. of the oldest three. Yeah, Tanner's <laughs> gone. And I'm like, uh, oh. guys, you're missing someone. Oh, well, we thought he was with you. 100% he's not. <laughs> Where <laughs> is he? So then they start panicking. So then we all start panicking. And, yeah. man, I just went into, like, I'm not listening to anything anybody is saying. Yeah. We need to find the nearest police officer. We need th we need to file a missing person's yeah. report. Like, I am freaking out. Yeah. Lock and it down. this was in the Lock age of cell phones. <laughs> yeah. But we have terrible service there. Yeah. We can't get a hold of anyone. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, long story short, this is, like, 45 minutes to an hour of my life that I'll never get back in yeah. complete hysteria. Um, and when we find Tanner, he's just like getting off the zipper. I was waiting he's for him to like be like happy, curled up Schmitt, crying. Like, <laughs> he, everything is he's fine. He's like, you guys can go take off. He had no idea oh. he was lost. The rest of us knew he, <laughs> he was didn't lost. Even know he but was he lost. had no idea That's he was probably lost. Best. Oh, it was, yes. yeah. And bless his heart, That's there was one of the perfect. little the little guys that was bliss. with him. Uh, he knew not to leave him. And so he yeah. was never actually alone. Yeah. So he literally did not know he was oh. lost. But but we definitely Probably a perfect segue. That's you got something. I was just going to give you an update from my mom. She said, it, w it may have been fun for you, but it wasn't for me when you hid from me. You were two and took off when we were downtown at a yard sale. This one is the one that she said. You were really fast. I was so scared and just started calling out your name and crying. I was praying so hard. Then a man brought you around from the other side of the building. <laughs> I was so relieved and, and relieved and grateful to God. You did not hide from me anymore, she says. Yeah. Um, and that's in the 80s when, yeah. like, yeah. child, you know, know, that really started ramping up yeah. when it was like parents were like, yeah. you know. Yeah, it was a big deal. Thanks, Mom. Sorry. 
that idea, I think, hit me as you were talking, Miranda, is that sometimes we don't even know we're lost. And I think uh, that's going on for so many of us. So many hard things are happening. We don't even know how to, we don't even know how to seek the things that we need. We don't even know how to cry out for help. We just are just trying to make sure that we're doing fine. So we can't even uh, seek out the, the, the spiritual tools, the spiritual realities that we need to help us get through in a way that is uh, more than just surviving. And so uh, let's move into that. You know how I preach head, heart, hands? The, the three points, something that God wants us to know, something that God wants us to uh, experience in our heart, something that God wants us to do with our hands. That's mixed up. It'll go normal today, head, heart, hands. Uh, and the first point that I think God wants us to know, as I'm kind of praying through this and thinking about this in my own life, is that we need to begin with the end in mind. When we're stuck in the middle, when we're in that liminal space, the in-between, we don't know which way's up, out, we don't know how to move forward, or we don't want to go backwards, potentially don't want to get stuck there. It feels uh, we're just, I don't know, discombobulated, right? Just, we're not sure. We need to begin with the end in mind. This is something Christians have done for thousands of years. What do I mean by this? Uh, this is Richard Hayes, one of the greatest scholars, certainly one of the greatest living scholars right now, dean at the Duke uh, School of uh, Duke of Divinity. And he wrote a book called Reading Backwards. And he talks about how we need to read the Bible backwards. We as Americans don't like this. Uh, we as Westerners don't like this. We like to read things in chronological order. We like to read it from front to back. This is how we're taught to read books. But this is how we're not supposed to read the Bible. We're supposed to read the Bible backwards because we need to know what the goal is of Christianity. We need to know what the goal of the kingdom of God is, what Jesus is trying to attain. Then we can figure out everything else. So he talks about reading backwards. We need to begin with the end in mind. This is how I do lots of things in my life. I'm going to ask you guys this later, but I talked about this with parenting a couple weeks ago, right? I, I'm not trying to raise kids. I'm trying to raise successful adults. And so I'm thinking about what kind of adults I want them to be so that I can help them get there. I do this with lots of things, finances, pastoring, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Begin with the end in mind. It's just a great tool all around, but it's certainly true for our spiritual life. And it's certainly true when we are in that liminal in-between space. Uh, so what is the end for Christianity? What is the goal that we're all working towards? I have a one minute video. It starts, it's five minutes. I had to cut it because it's long, but it's amazing. It's from the Bible Project. And it starts at Jesus' resurrection. So that's the context. As we get started, uh, we are going to start at Jesus' resurrection. Here you go. That's what happened when Jesus rose from the dead. And the reason Jesus is human, but a new kind of human. Yeah, when Jesus' followers met him alive from the dead, he had a transformed body that could live in heaven and earth at the same time. He's like a new category of human, one that can live and rule with God forever. Jesus is the new humanity that we're called to become. Right. He said that all authority in heaven and earth belongs to him. And then he sent out his followers to announce that his eternal life is available to us now in the present. We can experience eternal life now? Well, Jesus said that eternal life is knowing this God of love so that our imaginations can be transformed as we're liberated to love God and to love our neighbor. And we trust that even if we die, God's love will transform our bodies and raise us up into the new creation. And that's how the story of the Bible ends. Yeah, the ending is a new beginning with Jesus and the new humanity ruling in a united heaven and earth together. So you see there what's going on. Uh, essentially, the Bible begins and ends with a garden. It begins and ends with a tree. It begins and ends with a river. It begins and ends with us 
walking with God forever. And what Jesus does is he creates this new humanity. He brings this thing called the kingdom of God, and he reconciles us back to the Father, reconciles us back to the Father so that we could be with God forever. There's a lot of things that people want to tell you about the end times. And I'm here to tell you that most of those were invented in the 1800s. It's things that we shouldn't put a lot of stock in. But one thing we can be certain about is that Jesus is coming again. He's going to raise us from the dead. We are going to receive new bodies. He's going to smash heaven and earth together to create a new heaven and a new earth, which the Bible calls new creation, and we will live with God forever, and there will be no more crying, no more tears, no more pain. We will be with God for eternity. We get that in the second to last chapter, the penultimate chapter of the whole Bible, Revelation 21. Then I saw, John writes, a new heaven and a new earth, for the former heaven and the former earth have passed away, and I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, and I heard a loud voice from the throne say, look, God's dwelling is here with humankind. I love, look at the direction. God comes to us, y'all. We think it's about getting off of this place. God's coming here. His dwelling is going to be here with humankind. God will dwell with us, with them, and we will be God's people, and God himself will be with us as our God. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Death will be no more. There will be no more mourning, crying, or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And then the one seated on the throne, God himself speaks and says, Look, I'm making all things new. We are beginning with the end in mind that God is going to smash heaven and earth together and we're going to be with God forever. Death, pain, and tears will be no more. In a smaller way, Second Peter says it this way, but according to his promise, we are waiting, right? This is our hope. The word waiting and hope are synonymous for a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness is at home. Sometimes we talk about going home, but for Christians, home is this new creation, this kingdom of God that Jesus has made manifest in us and is going to make manifest in the whole earth. We have to begin with the end in mind when we feel feel stuck. We feel like we're stuck in an in-between spot. We don't know which direction to go. We're all going this direction. We're all going to this place that God has promised for us ultimately home. When we feel lost, stuck, unable to move forward, we do what all Christians have done before us. Keep our eyes focused on the end. Keep our eyes focused on the victory. God wins. Death is destroyed. All is made new. No more tears or pain. We will be a new creation with God forever. Question. What other areas of your life do you begin with the end in mind? It doesn't have to be your faith journey, uh, but is there other things that this is just good advice? School. School? 100%. Yeah. <laughs> oh, school's a really yeah. good one. I am, well, I, I'm constantly just thinking about, I think it's like 22 months from now or something like that when school is going to be over and I've yeah. graduated and, and hopefully all of that as well. Uh, but I think even just every semester I look at, okay, when is finals week? What do I have to do before then? And then to start making my way back through, you know, all the syllabus and what I have to do and what are the assignments or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. School is I probably the, the biggest one for me. School's a really good one. And I've noticed, too, in my experience, people who don't think about it with the end in mind usually flounder. We've, we've had a lot of kids and a lot of friends in our community that 
they're like not sure what to do so they kind of go to butte and then i'm like what's the goal here and then it's like i don't know and then they drop out and then they yeah so it's like really good to be thinking about school that way and also it's like very clear like you know yeah. exactly what you're what to do and you know exactly what classes to date but you have to think you know you have to go to a counselor and they tell you in these years if you take these classes you make it but if you don't think ahead man it's just kind of like well i don't know so that's a really good one. I knew I was going to be in school for eight years. And so I was like, I celebrated every milestone because I needed to see some ends. You know, I needed to keep the end in mind. And by celebrating those little ends, I can keep the bigger end. So even when I went to Butte, I was like, every, every AA I got, I was like, woo, you know what I mean? And it's like, and then I'm bachelor's and then right. master's. And it was just like, I knew I just had to celebrate all those ends to keep the final end in mind. That's, that's why great. we gra celebrate yeah. graduation so yeah. much, I think. Yeah, that's a really good one. Um, a couple of shares from Facebook. Uh, Aaron says, for me, beginning with the end in mind comes into play a lot whenever I'm creating something or photographing an event. Yeah. I'm always thinking of the whole picture. <laughs> I get it. Uh, or the story I want to tell with the images. There's always a chunk of time in the middle where I lose inspiration and creativity falls kind of flat. I have to come to expect this and I'm learning to lean into this time as I know inspiration will come again. That middle time is so necessary for me and the creative. So not only is she thinking about the end product, but yeah. she's thinking about the ebb and yeah. flow yeah. of the event. That's awesome. Thank you, Aaron. Um, Robin says, as a teacher, Hi, I begin with each unit concept looking at uh, what I want the students to know in the end. Yeah. I do backwards planning. Absolutely. It's uh, that thing yeah. of reverse engineering. I love that. Thanks, right. Robin, for being here. Absolutely. Uh, can I share one last one that yeah. applies to me? Julianne texted me this. I started dating you with the end in mind. Stayed patient, unconditional love, giving you space to come around. And I am so grateful um, to God that she did because yeah. I was not ready emotionally, yeah. uh, maturity to get married. And she was really patient. And I honestly, I thank the Lord that she waited until she played the long game. And yeah. she won. Yeah. And I won yeah. ultimately, ultimately because she won. She knew it was we best both for you. won. The other place I do this for is uh, finances, right? Uh, growing up in, a, in a, an oppressed community, sometimes we aren't great with finances. And so it was just like, if you got it, spend it. And it was just this liminal space of just like, I didn't know when I was going to get it again. And when I got it, it, it just wasn't sure. There was no, But then as I grew up, it was like, hey, this is the amount of money coming in. This is the budget that I'm making. And the budget is, like, Absolutely. is an idea of like, this is where I want to end up. This is how I'm going to get where I'm going. And so you got to think about what you want your money to do for you in the long run. So that you could figure out something to do with it. You know what I mean? Amen. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just come and go. And mm -hmm. I was the guy that was like, I'll just check how much money I have when I go to the ATM. I'll be like, In <laughs> inquiry, uh, negative $4. Okay, I guess I'm not going to Little Caesars today. Now, you know? can you type in, uh, <laughs> uh, when they ask you how much you want, you just type in however much I can get. <laughs> just whatever is in there. Max out. Me. Max it. They're like, you owe us 4 bucks. <laughs> Beginning with the end in mind is a great process all the time, but it's, it's a super helpful spiritual tool when we are stuck, when we're in between, when we feel a little lost. Remember God's ultimate victory. Remember the goal of what God is bringing everything to. It is good, and God promises he'll win. What does God want us to feel? What does God want us to experience? Uh, the end is in you right now. It's not something we're waiting for. We can experience it right now individually and collectively as a church. How do we figure this out? 2 Corinthians 5.17, very famous passage, but sometimes I think we read it a little too individualistically. 
So then, it says, if anyone is in Christ, that person is part of the new creation. Some translations say that person is a new creation. And we read that as saying that God, Jesus has made us new, and that's true. But this is really tapping into that first point that we made about the goal, the victory that God is bringing us to. When you are in Jesus, you are part of the new creation already right now. It is in you. The old things have gone away. And look, the new things, remember what God said on the throne, Revelation 21, behold, I'm making all things new. That new things has arrived in you right now. We think this means we simply are made new when we follow Jesus again. That is totally true. But this passage is about us entering into that end right now, entering into the new creation right here and now, and that, enter, that new creation entering us. God's ultimate goal and victory being a part of who we are right now. We have entered into the stream of eternity when we are a part of Jesus. And so we aren't just looking forward, right? We talked about we got to keep the end in mind when we're discombobulated, lost, trying to find direction, stuck in that liminal space. But what Jesus wants us to know is it's not just out there, but that Jesus is giving us tastes. He's letting us be a part of it. It is, it is becoming part of who we are. It is a reality that we can experience right here and now. It isn't just pie in the sky far away someday if we just hold on tight. But Jesus lets us experience in your personal life, in your family life, and in your church life as you bond together with other uh, Christians. This is uh, my wedding day. I'm talking about liminal oh. spaces. I'm talking about, because the, the difficulty is, is that we're getting a taste right now, but the real thing is coming in the future. And sometimes we just get stuck in the liminal space and it's hard to experience that thing right now, right? Here's a bigger picture of it, if you want to see, hopefully, right? This is Aaron and I just getting ready to get married. This is a middle space, right? I'm not single anymore, but I'm not married anymore. I mean, I'm not married yet. Definitely married still, y'all. But it's, it's an in-between space. But it's also, I get a taste of what's happening in the middle, right? I'm not single, not married yet. About five minutes from here, I'll be married. Yeah. But I'm in the middle. I get a taste. And how did I get a taste? It, it came about in things like, hey, we need to figure out where we're going to live when we're, when we're married. And so yeah. we, we got a place together. Aaron didn't move in. I moved in. And I fixed it up. And I was, I'm painting walls for this future that I don't have yet, but is so close, right? Or Aaron and I started combining our finances because we had to pay for stuff yeah. for this wedding. There was a taste of this incredible responsibility and honor that I got to ha have as I was getting married to be united to my wife, but I wasn't quite there yet. I got a taste in the middle. That, this is what Paul wants to convey to us, is that we got to keep the end in mind. We got to begin with the end in mind, but we also get a taste of what that is right now, like being engaged, not, not quite single, not quite married, but yeah. you're in an in-between transitional temporary space that gives you a little, gives you, gives you a foretaste of what, what is coming ahead. Yeah? Amen. Amen. My next slide will be this. Though we are in between in the messy middle, it doesn't mean God hasn't done an amazing thing in us already. God wants us to hold on to and experience that ultimate victory right here and right now. And my question for you all is, in the middle of the mess, in the middle of everything, how do we stay aware of what God has already done in our lives? How do we tap into that taste? 
that Jesus has given us, or at least, you know, stay connected to that. Harder question. Jump in. Uh, so this question is just funny timing to me because um, th just this year we started this thing in our house. Uh, it was a Pinterest find, uh, and I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. And so we have this mason jar with little sticky notes that we all write on occasionally. And the whole idea is that at the end of the year, we can revisit this about all the good things that have happened to us this yeah. year. And this year, I mean, has been yeah. poo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know how else yeah. to say it. It's just been really Hopefully cruddy. Put poo in the drawer. Yeah, I don't, so <laughs> no, it's only positive stuff, which oh, is really gotcha. great. Good, good, good. Um, but uh, yeah, I, think it's interesting to, that it happened in this time. Yeah. I don't know he if that was just God's like it. supernatural intervention of like, Randy, you're really going to need to hone in on those good things yeah. uh, in December uh, because this year is going to hand you a lot of stuff. But yeah. um, but I'm thankful. And so I have recently got kind of gone back through it. I was reorganizing my house and I thought, oh, it'll be fun. I was feeling pretty down anyways uh, and I needed some reminders. And it was great. It was like, you know, deciding to apply to the master's program getting yeah. accepted uh you know getting the grant uh, the grant for you know financial support for my education and um that's cool i don't know all things like those were those were my personal ones but then like we we took a trip to texas yeah. uh that was like a once in a lifetime experience yeah. and i got to go with my sister and things like that so anyways um if you're not doing that it's a great idea, yeah. uh, but That's just really I think ultimately the plan was just to just remember those, to take a moment to remember the things that have happened, that you have experienced outside of uh, the mess that you might be in in this current time, because it is really easy to get sucked into the to the messy vortex. Um, yeah. But I can almost guarantee that there are good things that are happening around you if you look. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a really that. good practical one. Um, not to get too spiritual about it, but f just for me, it's like um, I listening to the Daily Audio Bible, he does little devotionals, and he was doing one. We're, we're kind of in the middle of all the names of uh, uh, in, in like Chronicles and just kind of the list of names and names and names of this person begat, this person begat, this person. And it's just like kind of a trudge. And he said, really what changed my view of how you look at that in Scripture is... He goes, the thing that changed it was when I visit museums in the world where there are people that have uh, been through uh, genocide, who have been um, yeah. uh, murdered, and who have uh, uh, like a Holocaust museum. Or he was talking about one uh, in Nigeria where they went through some uh, uh, some uh, genocide. And he was talking about, you know, the Israelites to them, this is, this is remembering. Yeah. This is to them, this is uh, a list of names and how powerful that can be when you go to a memorial and you remember what God has done and who was lost and, and how God has brought you out anyways. And so for the Israelites, it was like, this list of names seems like just garbage gook to us, but it's, so important to them because it represents where they were and so for me it's scripture of just like remembering who god is and who how he has brought us out yeah um and he did for the israelites and he does it for us again and again and then um the other one is just songs man i i i don't know why but i seem to pick a lot of songs even today where it is just reminding us 
that God is able because, you know, it's like God knows he's able. <laughs> he yeah. knows what he's done. Uh, but it's reminding us yeah. and, and also telling him that we believe that. Yeah. That um, uh, in, in song of just like pointing it to him and saying, we know what you've done for us and you're going to continue to do it. And this week, I think, is really, really important for us to remember that. Yeah. Uh, 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 more than just other weeks even. But, um, man, this town has been through so much. And so I didn't even realize this question is coming, but it really seems like it applies that um, we've got to remember what God has done for us and how he's brought us out. And in the middle of the trying times is really when it's hardest. For me, um, I've started a new prayer practice um, because I was praying when I could, oftentimes like shower and before meals and at bedtime. And it just, and things are so busy and there's just so much to do. And it just felt like um, there wasn't a lot of times just to sit in prayer. And so I made myself a schedule and uh, for the day things that I hope to do and I intentionally put prayer on there and I put my pillow on the ground and I sit on it because I'm not tough enough to just be on the floor. Um, and I, and I set my alarm, I set my alarm for five minutes and I'm just quiet and I just pray and I do that. Uh, the church has these traditional hours that you prayed. It's essentially 6am, 9am, noon, three, six and nine. Um, I did, I'm not up and, all those and so I do like nine and noon and three and I do bedtime but it's just a good reminder for me that like the world doesn't need me like I can sit down for five minutes and be quiet and tap into Jesus and let Jesus do Jesus's work and just be in prayer about that and so that's how I'm staying connected is that that God it's God's victory and God doesn't need me and and I can take 15 minutes a day and just be quiet listen pray and uh, and trust that that Jesus is about Jesus's business. Yeah. Last point. What does God want us to do? Uh, this is what came to mind for me as I was trying to think about what to do. How do we how do we uh, navigate the messy middle? How do we navigate that liminal in between space, especially when things are hard? Seek clarity when you can't find certainty. Certainty, right? Is is an assurance about the future, and and we all want that. And it's something that we rarely get, right? Everybody craves certainty. Everybody does. And we know this because this is a list of all of Congress. I'm not picking on anybody's political uh, people. This is everybody. But when politicians come around, what do they do? They promise us certainty. If you elect me, I will do this. If you elect me, this will happen. I promise to make this happen. And then they get elected, and it doesn't happen. And we're just stuck with them for four years or two years, whatever the term limit is for that particular thing. For 30 years. And then, and then they just have <laughs> yeah, 48 years. And then they just get to blame when they, well, why didn't you do that? Well, it was everybody else's fault, right? But we know people crave certainty because they like workshop this. Like they get people and they go, how does this sound? And people go, I love that message. And they go around and tell that message. People crave certainty. And our political process is built on someone promising something they cannot promise us. These are certainly uncertain times. And I know you're sick and tired of hearing unprecedented and uncertain, but I have to do that for the sermon. It's play on words. Uh, These are certainly Uh uncertain times. And I know that you're craving certainty uncertainty though becomes a part of life at all times even when things are good there's just a uncertainty because it's in the realm that we can't control it's the future right that's something that we don't have any control over and so 
When we are in uncertain times, when things are hard, we should do something else. We, we can afford to be uncertain, but we cannot afford to be unclear. And to navigate the messy middle, to find our bearings in this liminal in-between space, and to push forward into flourishing, we need clarity, even more than certainty. Which goes back to that first point, right? Of, uh, we begin with the end in mind. Like we are clear. Uh, we are clear about what God is doing and where God is taking us. But we need clarity even more than certainty. And it needs to be rooted in reality, but also hopeful. Because sometimes I'm an overly pessimistic person. I mean, optimistic. I'm optimistic. Mm-hmm. I said pessimistic. I'm an overly optimistic person. But sometimes that's not helpful, right? That, that is, uh, people can smell the inauthenticity. People can smell when things aren't real. And so sometimes over-optimism is deadly. But sometimes uh, overly pessimistic is, is deadly too because it doesn't leave room for hope. It, there's no other option but despair. And so if we want clarity, we need something that's rooted in reality, but also hopeful. Maybe it sounds like this to my kids doing online learning. Hey, I don't, I don't know when we're going back to school. Yeah. That's real. But I know that you can do this, and I'm here to help you every step of the way. That's hopeful, right? Yeah. The same thing about church. I don't know when the doors are going to open again, but I know that if we do these three things, right? Stay in contact with one another. Be in prayer yes. with one another, right? And continue to make sure that our spiritual journeys are strong. We're going to make it. And with God's help, right? And with the talent here in our pastoral staff, things are going to be fine. Do you see the clarity there? It's not, there's no certainty. I have no idea the timeline. Yeah. But I know and am hopeful that God is going to do an amazing thing even in all of this. That's the kind of clarity we need. Jesus gives this to his disciples at the end. This is, this is where I'm getting this idea, essentially. Jesus is just raised from the dead, and he's getting ready to ascend back to heaven. And the, the disciples, the apostles, completely uncertain about the future. They have no idea what's going on. They don't know what the next steps are going to be. And yet Jesus speaks clarity into their life. He doesn't give them certainty about the future events. He doesn't say this, 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 and this is going to happen. Or this is what you need to do. Uh, to make these things happen. He gives them clarity about his victory. Matthew 28, and then we're wrapping up here. Now the 11 disciples, right, Judas is gone, went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. Again, one of my most favorite passages. Standing in the presence of the resurrected Christ, they write down that some of them doubted. This is how you know the story's not made up. It's because if you were writing a story, you wouldn't write about how many doubts you had, right? You would write about how courageous you were and how much faith you had. But here we have a, a moment of vulnerability. There's uncertainty here. There's concern, there's anxiety, there's worried. Some worshiped and some doubted. And Jesus came near and spoke to them. And this is the clarity he gives to them. I've received all authority in heaven and on earth. This has nothing to do with the future. This is right now. Jesus has all authority. Therefore, he says, go. Gives them some stuff to do. Make disciples, right? Make more followers of me. What do we do with that? We baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we teach them everything that Jesus commanded us. And then he says, I myself will be with you every day until the end of this present age. 
doesn't give them a list, a timeline of events that are going to happen for something that for them to look forward to. He tells them it's going to be hard, but he tells them that he has all authority and he's going to be with us every day until the end of the day. That's the clarity that we need. It's not, it's rooted in reality, but it's hopeful. Jesus has all authority. He's going to be with us. Clarity of who is in control and what the mission is and Jesus' undying presence in our life at all times. That's what he gives us. And that's what we need. Stop seeking certainty. It is something that we cannot have necessarily at this moment. But we can have clarity. We can have something that is rooted in reality, but it is hopeful, ultimately, so hopeful we keep God's end in mind. Here's my question in wrapping up. What can we do to create more clarity in the middle of messy uncertainty? Kind of a big question, kind of a nebulous question. I'm going to keep talking until you guys jump in to give you a moment to speak. How do we create more clarity? Not, ne- not necessarily certainty, but clarity. Um, I just keep thinking about having the long view. Um, just encourage to, to see the yeah. forest for the trees. Yeah. Um, which is a tough metaphor right now, but uh, uh, that, that's just how I think of yeah. it. It's just the long view. And uh, um, I think that that's what Scripture can do. Um, but the clarity kind of comes from a bird's eye view, I think, easier yeah. than being, you know, stay. I always say it's like it's it's hard to thrive when you're staying uh, ahead of the herd of elephants. Yeah. You know, it's like when life is bearing down on you, it's hard to thrive. And so I think just having a long view and having a bird's eye view. Yeah. Great. And you talked about earlier about like remembering to, I think there's something so important about when you're in the middle and that middle's hard, it's helpful to remember where we've come from mm-hmm. and where we're going. Right. Yep. And, and sometimes zooming out is just the most important yeah, thing zooming to do. Out. That's yeah. good. Go for it, Miranda. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you're good. Cause I feel like I'm going to, I'm going to counter you both a little bit Do it. <laughs> and I don't, and I apologize cause I don't want to be uh, misleading or confusing, but I think for me sometimes, um, I can't be so focused on the bigger picture. And the thing I'm remembering the most um, is uh, 2016, our trip to Bulgaria, um, and being there and seeing all of the the misfortune that was going on. Um, we were working with some youth um, that lived in a in an orphanage, and I just felt so heavy. On I just want to. F- I have no idea what to do. I know what needs to happen. Like this needs to be fixed, and this is terrible. And these kids are without homes and and families, uh, and structure and things like that. But as much as I knew what I wanted the perfect to look like, I could not focus on on that huge picture because I couldn't affect anything. And so I had to take many many steps back and focus on like what could I do. And I just remember being there with with one of our. the elders in our group and and she took me out and we went for a walk and she was like I don't remember the, her exact words but it basically was like you cannot focus on all the things that you can't control yeah. you can only focus on what you yeah. can do so what can That's you good. do uh, and then fast forward we came back here we're in the states I live in California I have a room in my home I do foster care yeah. you know um, and so anyways I think sometimes yes you need to look at the end goal. like what do I want this world what do I want this perfect world to look like but if you try to worry about that so much um, 
you're going to be overwhelmed. You have to pull back and focus on what are the things today, right now, in this moment that I can do differently, that I can do intentionally, yeah. and then do that. Absolutely. Because the bigger picture is just too big. Sometimes it's too big. Um, and this is, that's not incongruent with what we've been talking about at all and that Jesus is when he talks when he tells stories about what the end is going to be like how he tells it is hey I'm putting you in charge of my house and I'm giving you these things to do and I'm going to leave and when I come back it's not a puzzle that we need to figure out yeah. Jesus is saying I just want to see you being faithful to the things I asked you to do right here and now and yeah. so I think those are absolutely congruent that we got to keep the end in mind but ultimately we are living a day-to-day life uh, where we are just being faithful to the things Jesus asked us to do right here and now. Amen. And that's how we manifest that in. Go ahead, Matt, and then we'll uh, wrap this Raul. up. Raul. Hi, Raul. Is it Raul, Raul Perez? Yeah. My friend. Hi, Raul. He's been Thanks giving for you being props here. up and down the stream. You Thank can check you. that out later. One of my best friends. I love Raul. He, he says, uh, create clarity by first taking away the blocks. Recognize your pride. Acknowledge you are not right. And the source of truth is outside yourself. Yeah, I like that. Amen. Reminds me of that, uh, like Albert Einstein quote, right? Of like, you can't solve a problem with the same mind that created it, right? You need oh. outside. <laughs> hey, oh. <laughs> uh, here's my three points. Begin with the end in mind. Um, w- when you're when you're lost and when you're in that liminal, in between, messy middle, and and it feels disorienting, um, keep your eye on the prize. Let that be your true north. God has a victory. It's coming. It's going to look like this, and we can keep working towards that. But it's not just pie in the sky somewhere far away, but but Jesus has planted that in us, and we are getting tastes and foretastes of that right now, that when you are in Christ, you are experiencing that new creation at this very moment, and you are able to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, start manifesting God's future new creation into the present. Like Miranda's talking about, create your when you're looking towards that future, you're trying to create places and tastes of that future right here and now. And lastly, uh, what do we do? Uh, I would encourage you to seek clarity over certainty because Mm. certainty is not guaranteed. Anyone who promises you certainty is probably selling you something. But clarity Mm. is something that is rooted in reality, but ultimately hopeful because God's future is good. Would you pray with me as we move into a time of communion? Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this word. We thank you for your hope, your future, the good things that you are doing, your promise. No more tears, no more pain, no more suffering, because ultimately you will be with us in a way that we cannot even conceive or imagine. We pray for that future to enter into this space now, that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven, that your new creation would flood this creation and that we would continue to be workers, followers of you who are, who are trying to create space and place for that new creation to flood this time, this space, this area. Ultimately, Lord, as we are trying to navigate, as it feels dark and gloomy, would you give us clarity? Would you give us clarity about what we're supposed to be doing, where we're going, where we can address the realities before us, but ultimately keep your hope in our hearts in a way that helps us to take steps forward and flourish right here in the middle. Lord, now as we come to a time of communion, would your spirit be on these elements and in us so that as we eat, it would be spiritual nourishment to our bodies and for our journeys. Would we get a moment of clarity 
as we consume. And would you meet us here as we come expectantly to meet you as you promise you always do. And church family, would you pray with me the Lord's Prayer, saying, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil.